and welcome to SU Voicebox episode 6. So I am back in the studio with a very full table of four wonderful people. So if we could go around. Hi, I'm Nisha, co-president of Democracy in Education. Hi, I'm Mehdi, co-president Activities and Events. Hi, I'm Halima, I'm co-president Equality and Liberation. Hi, I'm Dimitri, your co-president Welfare and Campaigns. Uh, and I'm Hannah, Students Union Governance and Communications Coordinator. So today we are back in the studio with all four co-presidents, which is really, really wonderful to have everybody in the same room once again here to kind of talk to all of you at home or wherever it is that you find yourselves listening to this great podcast. Uh, but today we're just going to be talking a little bit about, you know, as usual, what's gone on and what things are coming up. So yeah, we're just going to give a little update as to things that have happened since our last episode about a month ago. And one of the very big things that a lot of people were involved with was the whole school walkout, which took place on November 24th. So maybe we could hear about kind of what the Go President's viewpoint on the whole school walkout is and what their experience of it was. The whole school walkout came as first response around the new uh, one professional service proposals for student, the student academic experience directorate which is essentially um, a section of the uh, administrative uh, support services uh, in the university and these proposals were sent out to the whole school staff and students on the 10th uh, of November and they proposed a number of very significant changes to how academic and student support was organized across the university and these would uh, so academic and student support would be moved into hubs peppered around the university and these proposals seemed to come out of thin air really because when as soon as the proposals came out and we started talking to both staff and students uh, the directly impacted staff the academic staff union reps but also students and student reps we have yet to find out where where these idea this idea for three to four hubs across the university came from but certainly doesn't seem to have come from any involved a member of the SOAS community yeah um, I think it was particularly bizarre as well because the proposal so directly referenced the student experience saying how integral it was to any kind of change proposal or any change structure within the school and because of that, and because of the fact that we hadn't been spoken to at all about it, I, there was a lot of resistance, both within the students' union as well as within a lot of other parts of the school. And, you know, the Academic Senate made their position really, really clear on on the kind of hubs aspect of the p- proposal, which was to put academic and student support into various sort of hubs within the school. So instead of just having the Western Hub and the Paul Webley Wing, you'd also have these three kind of mid-level hubs which would serve some purpose although it was not really clear what even that was and then you'd also have some sort of level of support within the departments as well so it was kind of a bit of a mishmash of different ideas that didn't really seem to sit well together and didn't really seem to reflect anyone's kind of desires and so this is part of the kind of wider move towards restructuring right because it's all seems very complicated. <laughs> so yeah, kind of unclear. I think one of the basic principles that we were trying to demonstrate with the walkout was uh, the respect for staff and students in this process. That needs to be key. Mm. The fact that proposals were drawn up again without consulting key uh, stakeholders and members of our community, whether they be staff, frontline staff or students, uh, is really 
a sign that we have a lot to, of work to do to remind senior management that they have a responsibility to, to work uh, in a manner that is respectful of, of staff um, and students in, uh, in this university. And I think at the walkout itself, we tried to try to demonstrate this and tried to mm. show this priority by holding a, a minute of um, <laughs> sort of applause and congratulations uh, to all of the frontline staff who are working so hard despite despite the very poor equipment that they are given to do their jobs. Yeah, I guess that's why the demonstration was so great, because it does feel as though now, because me and Nisha are part of the, the Student Academic Experience Working Group, that they are listening, even though they're not very like explicit, like how that has then impacted the the proposals it's quite clear to us and they they try their best to be reassuring in the fact that there probably won't be hubs in the proposal so and that that is kind of indicative of the power of students and academics and academic support staff when they unite and you know make their voices clear that that they're valued and important and, and will be listened to such a shame though because maybe if they'd actually kind of consulted people in the first place they would have never wasted all this time yeah. suggesting something yeah. that well that that was that was a beautiful thing i think of the walkout the fact that we had this message that this is a form of consultation i think it was halima yeah. who said it or, or one of uh, one of the uh the team who actually stood there in front of all the staff and all the students who had rallied out and said you know what this is a form of consultation if you actually want to listen and that's what the nicest thing for me was because it was just so great to be at the office, outside <laughs> on the steps, always good. always good with the banners up, the mm. purple back out, you know, it was just so good to see. And students were actually talking and I feel actually benefiting a little bit because there is a lot of jargon that gets thrown around with these, like mm. the conversations that the school try having with us. And it's, they try to catch you out and they try to just hope yeah. that you keep up when ultimately a lot of students and Sadly, a lot of staff are lost in the process. And I think this was our way of consulting. And as Dimitri said, having that round of applause was that mm. little show of power to say, you know what, our consultation and we're happy doing it. And we're here for a specific purpose, which is to support academic support staff and tell them that we're standing with you. So it was a great day, great day. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's such an important point in that, like when we're talking about the proposal and the consultations, like it's it's fair to highlight that the language that's used is very technical and mm. confusing mm. to lawyers and I guess that's where the sense of like uncertainty came from mm. mm-hmm. but like alongside that it's that like when we're being asked to consult students it's like how do we go about this especially when there are these senior level managers who present themselves as professionals and as though mm. they they have the best interest of the institution at heart so it's it's it, that's why I think also that the the walkout was incredible, and that's one of the main things that I said as I was leaving, as we because we walked out of the working group as well. It was, it was going along, it was going on at the same time as the the walkout. So me and Nisha left midway, and as I was leaving, I said, <laughs> "As like consultation takes place outside of this meeting room, you know." And like, <laughs> left. And I don't know how they took that, but did any of them come? If, with yeah, you? that's what I wanted. I'm like, if you want to address the concerns of you know students and academic staff that feel uneasy and uncertain and insecure about these proposals, then why wouldn't you just join us mm. and you know speak to them and you know mm. make a statement instead of these these you know giving us all student emails that are just. So incredibly long, long so and, and confusing and don't really address the matter at hand mm. so yeah 
I mean, a number of support staff did walk out with yeah. us. None of the kind of senior level managers, mm-hmm. but support some support staff did walk out with us. And I think within that working group, it's really key to say that like they support staff have really been driving any kind of movement or action because the working group itself seems as though, although we've been reassured otherwise, it is just kind of being created to ratify the proposals or ratify elements of the proposals, even if it's not the hubs element, which really seems to have been taken off the table. But even if it's kind of, giving giving the go-ahead for more management positions to be created which is what seems to kind of be happening at the moment actually what's happening within those working group spaces is that support staff are saying okay these are systems and processes that exist and here is where there are there are flaws for us and we want to know what students are having problems with as well and they are so keen to kind of share that platform with us and it's really it's been really beneficial for, for at least for me as like a student union representative to kind of understand what goes on behind the scenes with all mm. the administrative support and that kind of thing. And to, to have those discussions with them has been has been kind of very beneficial. So so what should students expect kind of as restructuring goes ahead and as? <laughs> that not. is such a good question, Hannah. What should mm. students expect? What should staff expect? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're still trying to figure that out. Well, well, thankfully and, now, yeah. I think, sorry to joke, thankfully now, I think there has been a uh, testament to the work that the guys have been doing on, like, the working group and whatnot. The school has kind of pushed back on this whole idea of the hubs, and I think that was the first um, real concern for all of us because, and I think students, and it's a shame to see, and I kind of want to use this platform to, like, make sure that the students know exactly what they're doing because the school's effectively trying to get rid of department and specific um, academic support that's available there for students and then just putting them into this generalist specialist of the hubs and I think you guys are probably more equipped to answer this but I think there has been some good feedback or some type of resistance that has been made to the hubs which will effectively take away any form of specific student support um, I think the school's kind of reversed that decision now or they're at least mm-hmm. in the process so maybe what they can expect is a fight um, the students can expect the students union UCU Unison to at least take these values and take these issues to the front line and present them to the school that the students do not want some type, some form of generalist specialist rather they want more support for academic support staff better equipment and as Dimitri said better equipment so that they could do their job properly and actually support the students so hopefully if the students get behind the campaign if they join the conversation hopefully we could achieve that more and and you know send a strong message so that's what they can expect expect to get involved yeah and and i think uh, another thing is to expect uh transparency Mm. and if it doesn't come to demand it because what we see especially from the hubs um is that management are ready to pull out ideas of thin air and Mm. put it out to everyone all staff and all students and raise people's levels of anxiety quite severely because of that consultation is to me a completely different process to pulling things out of thin air but actually Mm. trying to feed in ideas from the people who are who are actually here and who are actually studying or working here and working here and and that if you are feeding your ideas in one thank you for it but two expect that when proposals do come out there is a transparent uh narrative about where um where points were taken where points and ideas were taken on board and where they were not why they were not taken on board and if that kind of transparency isn't there we need to demand it because if we are feeding in ideas we have a right to know where those ideas have gone once once we've mm. sent them into the 
yeah. uh, clouds that senior management yeah. seem to sit on most of the time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that should really be the policy or the process uh, when any decision is made about the school. It should mm. be always kind of, you know, reverting to consultation with the people who it's going to be affecting, so staff mm. and students. Mm. Yeah, that would be really <laughs> way too logical. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of... A bit about restructuring, which has been one of the big topics uh, of the past weeks. Uh, there have also been a few other things that have been going on. So I think that Saturday school has kind of just come to a close. So Nish, I don't know if you want to just like talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I maybe some of you will have heard about this program already. It started up kind of over the summer when we started recruiting facilitators. Then the facilitators were trained in designing curriculum and worked together to make a lot of lessons which were based around understanding and kind of fighting against power structures within society. Um, and then using those ideas and those tools to, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> to, um, to kind of create projects or campaigns within their, within their schools. So some students, um, and most of the students took a very kind of media focus around this and ended up kind of making blogs. Some of them actually recorded a radio program. And yeah, they really, really enjoyed and engaged with it well. The pro in, the, in its next kind of form, which, which will be starting next term, the Saturday School will have a shorter program and be a, quite a bit more media focused because that seems to be one of the needs that the students really identified. And having those spaces for key skill development is something that we kind of are taking on board as not just something that has come out of the Saturday School, but something that we that people want across the university. Perhaps now we could also have a little update about the Students Not Suspects campaign, which is also called Prevent. Preventing, prevent. Preventing, prevent. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pretty key. <laughs> so, yes, the Students Not Suspects campaign. It's a campaign that started uh, two years ago, a bit over two years ago, when the government was preparing and then uh, put... Uh, passed it through the Houses of Parliament, uh, a new Counterterrorism and Security Act, which uh, made it a statutory duty for public institutions uh, to implement the or to show that they're implementing the Prevent program. The Prevent program is um, quite a hideous piece of legislation. Essentially, requires your doctor, your professor, your nurse at the GP counter, your social care worker, uh, people working in nurseries, um, and indeed staff in universities, as part of their job to m monitor whether or not someone will be drawn into terrorism. This comes within a context of an incredibly um, Islamophobic national media narrative around terrorism in this country, as well as a, a quite overtly Islamophobic government policy and, and narratives like the, the narratives that we see in the right-wing media aren't aren't sort of limited to the right-wing media you'll find them in policy documents and in uh in ways that bodies such as the charities commission will interact and and receive funding from government for particular inquiries and so the effects that this policy has is is quite well documented by a number of different organizations um, such as cage such as um uh, households under great stress, which is in uh, another NGO, and 
what we have been doing at SOAS over the past uh, few years is helping support this national campaign called Students Not Suspects, which really targets or challenges the prevent duty in universities. And universities in this way are in a way more privileged than other public bodies uh, because the Counterterrorism and Security Act does have provision for universities to balance the prevent duty with uh, academic freedom and freedom of expression. That balance, of course, is uh, is simply on paper, uh, not necessarily in terms of resources. So the, there has been clear sort of threats from government for institutions that do not comply with the prevent duty. But there has, seems to have been no statements or no policy developed around punishing institutions that might be taking the prevent duty to such ex- an extent that they're actually threatening or, or restricting people's freedom of expression, freedom of association, academic freedom, and other such basic civil liberties. And to bring in the element of, or to, to sort of marry this very controlling policy with the the Islamophobic context. We've seen a number of student societies, NGOs, and even panel discussions be flagged up by different uh, university authorities uh, as being controversial for very little reason. Um, So people have become controversial simply because they are outspoken Muslims because of this policy, quite simply, according to to university authorities. And so if we are to defend the academic freedom and the freedom of expression of all our students and all our fellow members of uh, the university community, we cannot accept that a certain group is targeted simply because they they are standing up and saying something about what's happening to them and to their communities. The freedom the freedom of expression is not is a freedom within the law, but it's not a freedom within the the limits that the government sets. And we need to be quite clear that the government needs to be held to account through the civil rights that we all enjoy. And and government doesn't have a right to, to clamp down on the civil liberties of, of anyone. And I think that's what the sort of students not suspects campaign is about in a broader context. More specifically, we'll be developing some different actions here at SOAS, certainly around public campaign, again, to talk about where Prevent is now, how does it fit in with other counterterrorism legislation, and some of our societies have already been at the forefront of these discussions. And and then there'll be a, well, there is already actually a student engagement with the Joint Parliamentary Committee on Human Rights, which is currently doing an inquiry on um, freedom of expression in universities in the UK. And so a SAR student has already contributed oral evidence to their to that committee about the impact of a lot of what I've already mentioned uh, has been at SAWAS and other university campuses. But we also invite all SOAS students to, to contact us if they would like to, uh, to submit uh, written evidence because individuals can also submit written evidence up until the, the deadline, which is the 15th of December. So there's little time, but if, you, if you're hearing this and it's before the 15th of December, do contact us if you're concerned about freedom of expression in universities. It's very interesting. I actually didn't realize, as you say, that the freedom of expression aspect is actually what balances out in universities. I can't imagine what it's like for other institutions or companies or organizations that don't have that and what the implications are then in terms of how the Prevent Act affects them. I mean, I don't know what it is, Mm. but just thinking about it, that that sounds like it could be. Yeah. uh, And this is a particular concern with certain services. Well, I mean, there's the inconceivable statistics of thousands of children under the age of 18, but also much younger under the age of 10, 
being reported to prevent and being put on lists as being suspect to be drawn into terrorism. Mm. I'm not sure how that is possible at the age of 10, if we even accept the premise of what Prevent is doing. And number two, it's also with a lot of public health services, such as people seeking mental health support and things like that. Prevent has very clear guidance from different government bodies about targeting uh, people who have mental health difficulties as being potential terrorists as well, which is, again, complete undermining of any idea of what a public health care public health care might be where you're actually caring for the person not reporting them to counter-terrorism agencies yeah yeah yeah. it's an absolutely uh, scary thing to be honest the the implications that prevent is having on on the wider public and it's just so shocking to see because prevent is so messed and it's been so messed for such a long time but what's what's brought it back to the agenda right now is how the Tory government has introduced just a little bit of jargon over here, but we'll we'll break it down. The Office for for Students, which is the new going to be the new market regulator for higher education institutions such as SOAS, and based on this new market regulator criteria that you need to enter, they've made compliance with the Prevent Agenda quite a serious item. So they're effectively the the government is effectively threatening SOAS and threatening every single university in the UK with their ability to function as a university if they are non-compliant with Prevent, which is just such a scary concept to think about because it's it's crippling every form of of freedom of expression. It's 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 impacting on the university and on students in every single layer and they've just made it even harder to fight it which makes it so much more important for us to as Dimitri was saying rally behind the campaign and make sure that our voices are heard and that our civil rights and civil liberties are not are not uh, swept away and not taken away by literally a completely dogmatic and ill-thought-out piece of legislation which is now threatening the future of, of higher education effectively because they are they are lick, looking to point out universities that are non-compliant so that they just don't even allow them to exist as universities anymore and based on what based on a completely racist and uh, don't even uh, yeah, yeah. draconian um, policy so um it's definitely one that that has come back to the forefront um, and is a campaign that needs to be emphasized more and more and we need to get students talking about it and we need to get students understanding the issues that are going ahead because the longer it stays decisions are being made in dark rooms the more the more difficult mm. this is going to get and um, mm. it's definitely one that we need to to try to take more seriously yeah absolutely um i actually think that the understanding part is really key because i think for a lot of people it does just is really complicated and it's just going on and people don't really necessarily need to directly engage with it so then a lot of people just don't but i think that it could potentially be an idea to have a kind of more in-depth podcast episode like dedicated specifically to understanding Mm -hmm. this issue Mm -hmm. and to yeah again do some more jargon busting Mm. so that's kind of been ongoing and will continue to be ongoing uh in addition to that i mean we've got loads of stuff going on obviously it's so easy to we could just basically talk for hours (laughs) but i think another really exciting thing is some of the stuff that's been happening with the decolonizing soas campaign so perhaps halima could kind of talk us through that yeah it's been going really well in that we've we've been making a lot of progress in trying to actually figure out or like implement some kind of projects to kind of bring this vision to life of what a decolonized SOAS or like university could look like. And some of the stuff in particular that we've been working on is been mainly around like the curriculum. So we've been trying to develop a, a toolkit, which would then be kind of like disseminated amongst like departments. Um, and then we'll hopefully lead to some kind of change 
or diversification within your reading lists. In addition to that, we've also been pushing for the position implementation of positionality workshops and we're just like in the in the process of trying to figure out a timeline for that of when we can bring that to to your classrooms basically and i can't remember what else like exactly we do talk about a lot i mean decolonizing our minds society has started up again so we've got some really exciting stuff happening there's uh we're going to be having a podcast potentially so um yeah more so as radio um we've also got a very exciting event happening on the on the 14th of december uh, so before we break up and it's um with uh, dr ruth wilson gilmore who's an amazing academic from the states and and the event is around like prison abolition and it's titled beyond the culture of complaint and uh she's going to be talking about like prison abolition mainly in the context of the u.s but we're also going to have a wonderful person or shardin from sds chairing it who will give us some kind of balance and provide some kind of insight into the to the UK context. Yeah, I really can't remember what else is happening with decolonizing stars. It does feel like a lot. <laughs> I mean, that is already loads. Yeah, <laughs> that's lots of different perhaps, stuff. Yeah. Add on something about the abolition stuff. Yeah. Just relating oh, to this yeah. really cool. I know that this has already been such a long podcast, so it's, <laughs> I'm going to try and make this super short. But this student kind of came up to us with this project that he's been a part of. Um, called Bail Block, and it's basically a piece of stop- software that you download onto your computer and uses the power on your computer that you're not using when you're running different apps or websites and converts it into a cryptocurrency, kind of like Bitcoin, but not Bitcoin. And that cryptocurrency is then used to pay for people's bail, and the funds go towards the Bronx Freedom Fund. Yeah, that's what it's called, right? So they're doing amazing kind of practical work around abolition. We're trying yeah. to get that software onto the school's computers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but and in the meantime, you can download it onto your own laptop or computer at home. And yeah, just it's it's very, very low effort and you're helping a good cause. Mm. Pretty high tech. <laughs> Don't understand it at all. <laughs> so moving on, just the last little thing that we wanted to talk a little bit about just because it's super important and has been happening and affecting a lot of people, uh, is just stuff to do with research students. So there's been a number of issues that have been facing research students um, over the past few months. A really big one that was mentioned as an emergency motion in our last UGM was related to a newly introduced attendance policy. So this attendance policy was kind of sprung upon students with no prior warning. And uh, I guess Dimitri will kind of explain a little bit more. Uh, Yes. Thanks, Hannah. Again, another uh, policy that seems to have dropped like a rock from the cloud of SOAS management. It was a policy that has now been reversed and withdrawn, but only that shows how, how much thought and care they put into developing this, this policy. So the, the policy had provisions such as postgraduate research students, so doctoral candidates, PhD students, however you might want to refer to them, come in every three weeks to the doctoral school and check in physically with the doctoral school. This was coming and ask for permission to leave the country each time they would leave the country. And this was a policy that would be applied only to tier four visa doctoral candidates, not to all doctoral candidates. And so the response was quite immediate from the Research Students Association and the postgraduate research body large. They put together a very strong letter detailing precisely why this was a, a both a draconian, unnecessary and completely incomprehensible policy, but as well with the measures that they would have taken if this policy hadn't been withdrawn. Uh, it took some time to get it actually withdrawn because 
not only did management come up with this policy without informing anyone, but they had also done all sort of the, the material preparation for this policy to be implemented. So there were Google calendars that were sent to all uh, tier four postgraduate research students for the next 12 months to come in every three weeks. So people had th- this in their calendars and it took a long, a long time in, in retrospect and with the, the anxiety that all of this was creating, it took a long time for the school to reverse the decision in material terms, in terms of cal- uh, uh, in terms of c- cancelling the the ca- Google Calendar invites. I mean, I, it's it's really been so bizarre, especially with this attendance policy, because people were getting Google Calendar invites that kind of went beyond when their visa actually expired for the country. It was it was kind of it caused a lot of chaos and a lot of stress for international doctoral students um, and people who were on tier four visas just completely unnecessarily and then winding it back was another kind of administrative exercise that they had to go through and they were resistant around that but it was because of the (coughs) creation of the policy in the first place and the creation of a policy where without the consultation of any students which is kind of seems to be an ongoing theme here at SOAS that that created this mess for them in the in the first instance. As a result of the the resistance from doctoral students we are now in a position as as reps to sort of be negotiating with the school about a new attendance policy and that is happening both SU reps and research student association reps and possibly UCU fractional reps as well will be involved in the negotiations but again it shows that we won't come to a stage where the voice of students or the voice of those who are who are on the front line of these policies will be considered unless there is an organised action or an organised forum, an organised mm. representative body that will mm. take action once policies are, are implemented. So it's just a little, again, another demonstration that, that democracy is our only safety in these situations. And hopefully we'll, we'll find some sense in senior management to implement a policy that makes sense. But this, this challenge is not only with senior management, but also with, again, the UK government, UK visas and immigration and how they are treating international students, how they're treating people from abroad across across society, migrants and refugees and others. I think that has sort of certainly sparked a lot of interest from students again to challenge, yeah, not only SAS management, but, but beyond that. And on that note, just wanted to do a big shout out to Robin Waite, who's the postgrad research officer of the executive committee of the Students' Union. She does loads and loads of really amazing work behind the scenes, as do really all the exec members. So just like really, really big shout out to them and hopefully we'll actually get some more of them coming into the studio to kind of talk a little bit so if you're listening come in (laughs) Um, although don't just come in randomly because we have to book it so just email me email me Um, cool so obviously loads of stuff going on as usual just wanted to do a little like quick run through of some things that are coming up so maybe we can just talk about them very quickly one of them is the end of term party which is happening on December (laughs) end of term vibes yeah so that is gonna quote be Lit? No, get lit. Get lit. <laughs> but it's be lit. It makes sense to, yeah, get. But also, you can be lit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can be lit. Yeah. It's going to be, Watch it's out gonna be for lit. Whole, for, a whole, for a whole week of live music and activities in the JCR and bar for, for the end of term anyway. So, because we know it's essay times and everyone's stressing. So, just come into the bar when you, or the JCR, when you finish your writing and your late nights in the library, and you can hopefully, yeah, get lit and be lit. Both of them. Why yeah. not? <laughs> the final day when you submit. 
at 12 if it if it may be but, <laughs> yeah run down to the jcl we're gonna have poetry early on in the night but djs to go to keep us going till later there's gonna be projections it's just gonna be a vibe what more can i say <laughs> <laughs> cool so that's gonna be amazing and then obviously everyone's gonna go away on their holidays which would be really really nice <laughs> and then following that we're gonna start back to <laughs> no, again dimitri you can't say anything <laughs> Yeah, then I know maybe it seems like a bit like early to be talking about this, but then we get into next term, so second term. So just a very, very quick um, shout about a couple of things that are coming up. Next term, we've already kind of got our next UGM organized and it's mm-hmm. going to be happening on January 17th, which is a Thursday. So if you can kind of just like keep 5 to 6 p.m., marked and free in your diaries that'd be great and if you're thinking about any kind of motions that you'd like to submit for that UGM the deadline for that is four working days before but because there's like a weekend that cuts into that I think that the deadline is the 11th of January so that's only a few days after we get back to school so if you're thinking about a motion perhaps start thinking about it now perhaps come in and speak to any of the sabs about it uh, in room G8 or yeah of course shoot any of them an email Uh, The other thing to kind of just bring up that's going to be introduced very soon is participatory budgeting. Um, Participatory budgeting is something that was started by a SAB team in 2015-16, and we're bringing it back this year, but with a little bit of a twist. Basically, student groups are going to be able to apply for funding from the Students' Union for their various projects. It could be absolutely anything from kind of an event or a series of events that you want to put on to kind of a workshop that you want to throw something like that something where you need a little bit of money but kind of have been at a loss of where to get that from we are going to be match funding up to 800 pounds so that means that if you can fundraise 800 pounds we will also give you 800 pounds you'll have 1600 pounds to put on whatever kind of project it is that you're thinking about and it will be amazing so it's a really great opportunity you can find out more about it on the SOAS Students Union website and apply for to be a part of the participatory budgeting scheme there cool so i think that's kind of it in terms of what's been going on what's coming up the last little thing that i wanted to kind of last little question i wanted to throw out to the table was we can just do a little whip round what are you all doing for your winter break i'll be in london most of the time but i'll go to france to see uh, my grandmother my parents (laughs) it's fine it's fine yeah to see my grandmother my parents my brother and also... <laughs> you didn't know that Dimitri had a brother? Yeah. I'm sorry, no. I didn't know if they had, but Matthew just whispered, you have a brother? <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I, don't, like, I don't know that either. Got, Hopefully got, he doesn't Got to listen this. to Star's Radio to find things out. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, and I'll probably, on, on my way down to the countryside where my family is at, I'll probably stop by the strikes that are happening in Paris right now by the cleaning staff uh, in all of the stations in the north of Paris. So watch out on Facebook for huge strikes happening by cleaning staff in Paris. Cool. Nima, what are you getting up to? Um, well, I'm just going to be in London. It's not as that sounds great. fun or as nice as Paris, but I will be celebrating my first ever Christmas property, which I'm really <laughs> excited about. Like, I've got Aww. my own stocking and everything. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I'm just going to be a Muslim girl in London <laughs> celebrating Christmas. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. it'll, be, it'll be good, yeah. Cool. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't know how to jump in after that. That was too funny. Um... <laughs> What am I doing on my winter break? Ah, well, a, a lot, catching up with a lot of work, unfortunately. Well, that 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 for a little while. <coughs> we break up on the twenty second of December, so 
I don't know why I still thought that we're students and we have like three weeks off for Christmas and that is still all <laughs> just time to go in the home real and chill. world. Yeah, now. but now, yeah, it doesn't really work like that. Like you get five days and you're expected to be like very happy. So yay, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, but no, and then hopefully you're gonna take some time off and head to head to some sunshine in Morocco. So hopefully that can be fun and then come back energized and ready for 2018 to take it on. So yeah, it should be fun. I'm literally so jealous. I want to say I'm going somewhere exotic now. <laughs> well, You're do. over summer though. I am. That, yeah. that oh, is that a little bit ahead of ourselves? Also, I admit, yeah, I was going to be like, it's not 2018, but then I just realised a whole year has gone. Yeah. <laughs> it is almost 2018. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's how time works. I'm going to Vietnam with my family oh. to see them. Yeah, and also catch some some sunshine mm. and chill out and I don't know. I don't really know what we got planned. So hopefully some fun and interesting things. Hannah, what are you up to? Um, so I'm going to the very exotic location of Sussex. Ooh. <laughs> to uh, yeah, spend Christmas with my family, which is really nice. But we're actually, basically, we're staying in like a hotel over Christmas because my grandma doesn't like, or my granddad for that matter, don't like cooking, uh, which is fine. <laughs> but the place that we're staying is actually like a steakhouse, Ooh. which is just a, but, which mm. is a bummer because I'm a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how we're going to kind of negotiate mm. that. So I'm doing that. And then for New Year's, going to Norfolk to stay with my friends to celebrate New Year's. Yeah. Anyway, so sorry that we've just kind of gone on for a really long time. Thank you so much (laughs) if you stayed with us. Uh, This is SU Voice Box and we'll catch you in 2018. Bye. Bye. Bye.